for listening to the Life Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for any other messages or other resources, please visit us at lcboise.com. You know what? Now, look, that, I'm going to charge you $75 for a house call <laughs> for that. Uh, it's great to be here. Wow. If I was in Boise or anywhere close, this would be my church. This is happening in this place. Wow, what a place. What a place to serve God. You are so fortunate to be here. I love, um, I love the Boers and their family and appreciate the hard work, the faithful work that they've done for God for so many years. And it's just great to see what God's doing here in Boise. Um, and, and the best is yet to come. And it's not over yet, and that's going to be my message, and uh, so I hope you're ready for a word from God. I think the pastor kind of got you ready to pull, and uh, I'm, I've been so impressed with how hungry this church is and how easy it is to minister here. My only regret is, you know, next week I have to go back to the real world, but uh, l- let's enjoy this while we can. I walk in, and Dave meets me in the parking lot, and I wish Dave could just go with me everywhere. <laughs> I said, do you think it's possible to get some of my product? He said, anything's possible. I said, I like this guy. All right. So we got some things to give away. I thought I'd just do that up front. And um, uh, I, I've never written a book before, and the Lord really told me to write this, so I did it out of obedience. But it's turned out to be a huge blessing. Um, I've given it to all my in-laws. <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Actually, they, they, they asked for it, and uh, so I gave it to them, but it, it is the story of our redemption, and it's things that I've been teaching for 30 years that have changed my life and have stood the test of time, but the title of the book is Good News. It's so good, the bad news doesn't matter, and I'll tell you, if you're sick and tired of all the bad news you've been hearing day after day after day, we have got good news that's so good that it eliminates all that. And it'll put a smile on your face. And this is not escaping reality. This is reality. And uh, so I, I highly recommend this book. It's back there if you'd like one. They're $12. Uh, this is a video series. It's my first video series. It's done on very high quality um, uh, cameras. <laughs> I'm not sure what they had to work with, but the equipment was excellent. And, uh <laughs> And so these, this, kind of, these, this is four video messages. If you like videos, it's four DVDs that really is the heart of the book. This is $40, but if you buy one of these, you can have a book for free. So it's kind of the audio and the print version together. And I want to give these to some very special guests. Ken and Stacy are right over there. Dave, would you help me with this? Uh, they have, if you don't know them, they're also bores. Not boring, but bores. <laughs> and they have supported me for years and uh, believed in our ministry. And they came over tonight to be here. And I just can't tell you how happy I am to see them. And uh, they, their support means more than just dollars and cents. But it just tells you that somebody believes in you and... and uh, uh, that is just, those people are, are very special to us. We pray for them, and, and it's great to always always see them when we can. And then there's Mac and Diane. Does anybody know Mac? Uh, all right. I don't have to explain any more then, do I? Uh, but they're, they're also friends from Twin Falls. Of course, they've been here for a long time now, and we love them. Uh, let, let me give these away. This, this series is a CD series, and it's called Keep Calm and Stay Out of My Garden. And it, 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 that's my illustration. I've been giving it for years, and I thought, you know, I just need to go ahead and make this into a series. But it's about planting the Word of God. Mark chapter 4, the sower sows the Word. When you sow the Word in your life, you get a harvest. And, uh, and it talks about that process of sowing the Word of God and seeing it through first the, the, the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. And, uh, the, you know, when you plant the seed, the, the, the seed grows up. The farmer doesn't know how, but it works, doesn't it? The Word of God works, and so this is our newest series, and I'm going to give this one to whoever Dave wants to give it to. Don't argue with with Dave. Just take it and like it, all right? 
Who do you choose? Who'd like to have it? First of all, does anybody want it? This is a tough crowd. Okay. It's not easy, is it? I know. I'm, all right. Somebody with their hand up. Then this one's called victory over the world, the devil, and the flesh. We talk about the enemies uh, that we face. Kind of a, this is sort of a, a, a walk on the dark side. Uh, we don't like to talk about that a whole lot because we do have victory. But every once in a while, you need to identify your enemies. And we do deal with the world, the devil, and the flesh. And, uh, and we might as well realize that and deal with it. And so it's kind of a very informative teaching. I just got tired of people saying grace, 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 and living like the devil. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know God loves you no matter what, but it does matter what you do. So that's kind of what this is. You know, it just kind of explains the other side of it. So anybody like to have this one? They, look, we're, uh, no, I'm going to do this one myself. I'll do this one. Here you go. And then this one, I'll let you do this. This is a, a USB drive. If you, don't have a, if you don't know what a USB drive is, you, don't, you probably don't need this. Um, and, uh, but it's, uh, it's got three series on one. It's called the Good News Package. It's got three uh, of our best series on, on one uh, USB drive, plus a, a free video called The Good News is So Good, The Bad News Doesn't Matter. And uh, so it's got a video and audio on it. And they're still experimenting with my voice. Dave, would you go back there and tell those guys, <laughs> let's get this worked out. So, so if you'd like a D, uh, USB drive, there you go. Yeah, somebody over here. <laughs> did she intercept it? She did. Oh, all right. Why don't we do this? Let's stand up. I, I do want to get to the word here, give this to you because it's, um, I believe it's going to help you, encourage you, and uh, I believe it's something you're going to remember. So let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for speaking to our hearts and minds today. And we just thank you that you've included us in your great plans in these last days. And we ask that, Holy Spirit, that you teach us, equip us, put us in the right place at the right time. Get us the things we need to do the job that we're called to do. And speak to us tonight. Give me utterance in the Holy Ghost and strength to speak the Word of God boldly and accurately as I ought to speak it. And give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. We give you the praise, the glory, and the honor for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You could be seated. And once again, I just, it's an honor to be here. What a great work. And. It's just very, it's an, it's a, it's an honor for me to, to come and, and to, uh, to just work alongside of your pastor and, and the staff here. What a great staff. And uh, just run together. You know, sometimes you run the race alone. You know what I mean. You, you, you're out there running alone. But it's nice when God brings us together. We can encourage each other. We're going in the same direction. We talk the same language. And uh, I tell you, everything they do around here is just blessed with anointing and excellence and uh, it's obvious and it's greatly appreciated and if I can see that you know the city can see it and the Lord knows it and uh, so the best is yet to come for Life Church in Boise what a what a great work uh, if you would uh, let's just read Hebrews six 12. I'm going to read that to you and then we're going to really talk about this this subject it's Hebrews six twelve says be followers of those who through faith and patience inherited the promises. Be followers of those who through faith and patience. So there's, there are two, two fruits here that are involved, faith and patience. The reason that you've got to have patience is because sometimes faith takes a while. And patience is a great um, aid and a help. And when you're in this process of faith and patience as you, as you strive to inherit the promises of God in your life, it's a delicate balance uh, between being discouraged <laughs> and, and disheartened, um, you know, or, or just totally impatient. So some people just give up and other people will get too, too aggressive. But if you just walk in faith and patience and trust God, 
You see, God makes the promises and God brings them to pass. You believe it in between. Our job, a lot of what we do is believe. And, and this message tonight is for people who have promises from God that have not yet come to pass. And I want to tell you, if you've got promises in your life that you know God has made to you personally and it hasn't happened yet, that does not mean that you're some kind of, uh, you, you know, you've got a deformity or an irregularity or you're some unusual person. Uh, we follow those who through faith and patience inherit promises. Part of what we do as believers is believe. It's not unusual. It's not abnormal. It's not out of the ordinary for a believer to be believing in something that hasn't happened yet. And just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean it won't happen. God chooses to speak to his people in various ways. He knows how to communicate. And he will, along the way, make promises, individual promises. Do you know if it's in the Bible? It's the same process, but it's a little different. But I'm really talking about dreams and visions, your destiny, personal promises that God has made you. And if you have those in your life and they've not yet come to pass, I'm here to encourage you and tell you it's not too late. That God's going to do what he said he would do. And you need to be encouraged and just stay in there. In fact, uh, God likes it when we believe him for long periods of time. He enjoys that. He gets, he gets something out of that. And I want to give God something. You know, I don't, I'm not just here to get what I can get. We ought to be willing to do some things just for him that please him. And there's something about the nature of God, the character of God, that faith pleases God. It pleases God to see his people holding on to things that he told them years ago and refusing to let go of them. Amen. That's not a burden. That's a privilege. It's part of life. We were born to run with vision. We were born to run with dreams and promises. You were born to, to have the ball, to hold on to the ball to advance the ball, to ask for the ball, to keep up with it and say, Lord, I, I'm, I appreciate the fact that I am a target. <laughs> more, but because Satan, the, the one thing Satan hates more than you are the promises that God made you. And he can't rob you of them. He can't just overpower you and take them away, but he wants you to give them up. And we refuse to do it. Are you ready to jump in here? Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And I'm going to give you a couple of examples because they speak so loudly. There's such great examples in the Word. And uh, let's see. Did I say Genesis 1? Wow, I'm stuck in last night. We were in Bible school. We never got out of Genesis 1, did we? Well, it's Genesis 37 is where we are tonight. Genesis 37 and verse 5. We're going to go from Genesis to Revelation in Bible school. Last night we started in Genesis and we're still there. We got a long way to go tomorrow. You better hold on to your seats tomorrow. Genesis 37 and verse 5. Now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. Not everybody's excited that you have a promise from God. Not everybody likes it that you serve God and that God speaks to you. So he said to them, verse 6, Please hear this dream which I've dreamed. There, were, uh, there we were, binding sheaves in the field, and then, behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and indeed your sheaf stood all around and bowed to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? Shall you indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Verse 9, then he dreamed another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Now, I'm not telling you to tell your dream to everybody. It might be better to just keep it quiet. Not, no, nobody's going to be as excited about your future as you are. Now, and I should give this disclaimer. Uh, there are some things that aren't really dreams or promises from God. It's just something that people made up. God's not going to bring that to pass. 
If you're 45 years old and you're fat and bald, you're probably not going to be an NFL Hall of Fame player. So you might ought to give that one up. You know what I'm saying. You're not going to be an Olympic gymnast. You know, there is, a, there is a lie that sounds fairly true, and it's very American, but I think it's a little bit misleading, and it's this. You can do anything you want to do. No, you can't. There are some things that if you try to do it, you're going to waste a lot of time before you figure out, I can't really do this. Here's the truth. The true side of that is you can do anything God wants you to do. You can do anything God promises you. You can do anything God's called you to do. That's more accurate, and that really should be our desire. So, so Joseph had another dream, verse 9, and he told it to his brothers. Look, I've dreamed another dream. This time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowed down to me. And he told it to his father and his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, what, what is this dream that you've dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers come and bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, and his father kept it in mind. So this process is very much the same. However, you may not have a literal dream, but God will come to you and, and drop things in your heart and begin to promise you things about your future, your family, your loved ones, your career, uh, your life that are personal, that are, that are but God knows how to communicate. And in this case, he really did give Joseph a dream. He, he literally came to Joseph and he, he pretty much said this, would you like to do something great for me and for your family? Would you like to do something significant with your life? And Joseph said, yes. So he got this dream, and, and he, he, we don't see that he even asked for it, but God had plans for him. God has plans for you. But, the, but, but from the time he got this dream until God brought it to pass, it was a very confusing time. Can you say amen to that? He tells his brothers, and they don't like it, which that's fine, but what they did next was a little bit surprising, and it certainly wasn't in the dream. They threw him in a pit. He's in a pit. He can't get out. He's in the middle of nowhere. Nobody knows where it is except his brothers, and they are literally discussing how to kill him. Should we hang him? No, let's just shoot him. No. Let's stab him to death. I mean, they were discussing how we're going to kill him. And he's hearing this. Now, when, you're, when you've had a dream, a vision, a, a promise from God, and you're in the pit, and they're talking about how to kill you, you're, you're wanting, a, you know, like an update. He's trying to go back to sleep so he can have another dream and explain this sudden turn of events. There was nothing in the dream about a pit. You want to read them again? No pit in the dream. And if we could have encouraged Joseph on that day, we would have said, Joseph, now hang in there. They're not going to kill you. Believe the, God, the promise. Believe what God said. And then we just have to stop right there because you can't tell him it's going to get better. <laughs> See what I mean? So instead of killing him, they sell him into slavery. Now he's off. He's chained in a slave train on his way to Egypt. He's going to Egypt. He's sold as a slave. Now, this is the difference between people who believe God, who have promises from God, and those who don't. He never quit believing, and he never quit living like a person with a dream. We were born to run with a vision. So what does that do? That helps you live differently than the people around you. He was a different kind of slave. He worked hard. Even though slavery was not in the picture, he wasn't supposed to be a slave. That was not in the dream. And if you reach the top of the, and he did, <laughs> he reached the top of his profession. He could have, you know, written home and said, Dear Mom, I am the best slave at Potiphar's house. I've been promoted to, to I, I run everything. So that's, that may be good under the circumstances, but it's certainly not what God promised him. And then it went from bad to worse 
because Potiphar's wife framed him for assault and he was a slave. So when you're a slave, he didn't have a right to defense. They just threw him in prison. Nobody knows him. Nobody knows where he is. He had no defense. They probably don't even sentence him. He just threw him away. Forgot about him. He's in jail now, but he's got a dream. He's got a promise. And you know, he never quit believing. In fact, there's a scripture. Let me just read this to Psalm 105 and verse 18 about Joseph. It says, they hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. Listen, you're not testing the word. The word's testing you. Can you hold on to that promise? Can you believe when everything looks contrary? God doesn't fill in all the blanks. He just kind of gives you that end result, that end view, that end vision. And he allows life to happen and he expects us to believe every day in between. Joseph didn't need supervision. He did right. He worked hard. He became the best prisoner in the penitentiary, you know. Dear mom, <laughs> I'm the best convict in the whole prison. I can, I can go to the mess hall without permission. I have the keys to the laundry room. He was over all the prison. And he, was, he went through this process for 13 years. And the reason we're talking about Joseph today is not because he was prime minister of Egypt. It's because he believed God for 13 years when every day of his life for 13 years it looked more impossible for God to fulfill his word than it did the day before. This might help you make sense out of an otherwise confusing past. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You ever woke up, you know, one day and said, how did I get here? I was trying to serve God. I didn't have this much trouble before I knew God. When you get a promise from God, when you get a destiny, when God has a plan for your life, you have a target on your back. Get used to it. After all those years, Joseph is in prison. And you know the story. I'm not going to go into all of it because it would take too long. But the, but the two guys, you know, had dreams, and he interpreted the dreams. One of them was restored to Pharaoh's side. I believe it was Pharaoh's butler. And, and uh, Pharaoh had a dream, and he couldn't interpret the dream. And so he, he gets concerned, and he begins to ask around, who's going to help me with this dream? And the butler said, I remember a guy in prison who interprets dreams. And Pharaoh said, well, go get him. So the butler goes, or whoever, they send word to Joseph. Now, he's been an, a slave and a prisoner for 13 years. His brothers have betrayed him. His family's turned their back on him. He was a victim in every sense of the word. And if he'd lived today, you know, they, would have, they sent word to him, and the Bible says he, he cleaned himself. In other words, he took a shower and shaved, and off he went to Pharaoh's office, palace. Now, you know what? Most people today would have had to have 10 years of therapy <laughs> after that. You know what I'm You talk about emotional baggage. I mean, he would have sent word back to Pharaoh and said, I would love to meet with you, sir, but I am no, in no condition right now. Do you realize my brothers have abandoned me? They sold me into slavery. My, 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 my slave owner has betrayed me. I'm in prison. I've been underappreciated and underpaid and overworked and on and on and on. But when you hold on to a promise from God, everything that happens to you helps to prepare you for that, for that day. Be followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So he got the phone call. He goes to Pharaoh's. It takes him 30 minutes to get ready to stand before Pharaoh. He'd never talked to a more important person than a slave owner or an official at the prison. 
And now he's going straight into Pharaoh's office. And Pharaoh said, I had a dream. I heard you good with dreams. He said, well, you know, God can help us. What was your dream? I, I dreamed that there were seven fat cows. And the seven fat cows were swallowed up by seven skinny cows. And I, don't, I think it's a message, but I don't know what it is. And he said, here's the, here's the interpretation to your dream. The seven fat cows are seven years of plenty, which you're going to have. They're going to be followed by seven years of famine, which are represented by the seven lean cows. And the lean years are going to swallow up the fat years. So uh, th- that's what's coming. And he says, well, well, what should we do? He says, well, you need to put a wise man over the kingdom. And you need to begin to store up grain and store up resources during the f- years of plenty so that you'll have enough to make it through the seven years of famine. God's warning you and telling you to get ready. And he said, who's wiser than you? He says, it's my thought exactly. (laughs) He said, are you busy? Are you free? Not really. (laughs) And instantly promoted him from the prison to the palace. He became the second most powerful man in Egypt for the rest of his life. And God did exactly what God told him he would do. It just didn't happen the way he thought it would happen. It never does. You may be in this process right now. If you are, thank God. You can't make your dreams come to pass, but you can believe them for another day. You can refuse to give up. You can praise God. You can give him glory. Abraham was a 75-year-old man. And God said, Get out of your house, get out of your father's house, leave this country and go to a land that I will give you and your descendants. I'm going to make your descendants as the stars of the sky. I'm going to give you, I'm going to make a nation out of you. Well, that means very simply, you're going to have, you're going to have a son. He's 75 years old. Now, if you tell a 75-year-old man, you're going to have a son, you'd think you'd get right on it. (laughs) Right? I mean, if he had him right now, He'd be nearly 95 when that boy graduates high school. (laughs) And you know the thing, the the fact of the matter is, God could have done it quickly. He could have done it instantly. He could have done it miraculously. It was a miracle anyway, but God could have done it overnight. In fact, they could have had that boy the next day if God had, had wanted it to be that way. But you know that's not what happened. Did you know he didn't have the boy when he was 75? Did you know he didn't have him when he was 80? Did you know he didn't have his son when he was 85? Did you know he was 90 years old and he's walking around telling people, I'm going to have a son and he's going to be the the beginning of a nation that God's going to give me and he's going to give us a land flowing with milk and honey. And they thought he was lost his mind. They thought he was a senile old man. And then he changed his name from Abram, which means father, which was a stretch in and of itself, to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. He's 90 years old, and he's still believing he's going to have a son. People are feeling sorry for him. They're talking behind his back. Just go along with it. It doesn't hurt me. <laughs> 95 years old, I'm going to have a son. Call me Abraham. Call me father of a multitude. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. He didn't have that son till he was 100 years old. It's a miracle, Yeah. And we talk about Abraham. And you know what Abraham wanted through that whole process? He wanted that son. I don't know that we could even imagine what that meant to him. He wanted that son because not only did he want a son, but he, he represented everything that God had promised him about his future. To Abraham, it wasn't about the land and the property and the possessions. It was about passing it on to a nation that came from his own bloodline. And, and, and so... Isaac represented everything that God had ever promised him. And he wanted that boy. And God let him live for 25 years believing that he was going to have a son. Abraham wanted the son. God wanted the 25 years of faith. Do you see what you can offer God today? You see what you offer God every day you believe in the impossible? Every day you believe the promises? Every day you believe what God told you in private? You're giving 
glory to God that he does not get any other way. We talk about Abraham today. He is the father of those who believe. That's his title. The reason we talk about Abraham today is not because he had a son when he was 100. It's because he believed in it for 25 years. Are you getting this process? Are you getting the, the picture here? Be followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Don't resent the fact that things that you want, things that you believe, things that God has promised you haven't happened yet. Don't resent that. Don't consider that a burden or some defect on your part. This is how we live our lives. This is what we do. We're believers. We believe. We ought to be believing things that haven't happened yet. You want to look at one more? Do you have time or should we just go home? What is it? That's better. Go to Luke chapter 1. This is really my favorite one, and it's, you're going to be surprised, but it, it really is my favorite one. Luke chapter 1, and, and uh, let's see, we should start here in verse 30. And, and I, want you to, I want you to notice these words because they were chosen very carefully by the angel, uh, by God himself. Verse 30, then the angel said to her, this is Mary, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb, and you will bring forth a son, and you'll call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. He's telling this little teenage girl, you're going to have a king. That's a pretty great promise, isn't it? You're gonna, you are going to have a king. He's going to reign over the house of Jacob and of his kingdom. There's going to be no end. It's going to last forever and ever and ever. And of course, she said, count me in. Verse 20, uh, 34, Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I don't know a man? The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Indeed, uh, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. This is the sixth month. With God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I just got a promise. Things are going to be different in my life. And they, and they were. I just got a promise from God. Let it be unto me according to your word. I'm going to have a king. He's going to have a kingdom. He's going to sit on the throne of David, and he's going to have a kingdom that's going to last forever. I'll do it. Count me in. Sign me up. This is going to be wonderful. I can't believe it that I'm the one that you picked for this job. I am totally in. So she got pregnant. The first problem she had was explaining this to her fiancé. You know what I mean? I mean, she says, Joseph, I got bad news. And then when she blames it on God, I mean, that's, that's really tough to take, you know. Are you really? You're, you're really going to blame this on, on God? I, I mean, he didn't know what to do. So in that case, the angel came back and appeared to Joseph and straightened him out. So at least that both of them are in agreement. Well, now she's nine months pregnant with the king. And I relate this to modern times. You can't romanticize this, folks. This, this is just real life, you know. These people didn't have angels singing in the background all the time and float around on magic carpets, you know. They didn't even have cars. They didn't even have, you know, central heat and air. She's nine months pregnant, and a decree went out from Caesar that everybody's to go to their land of their birth, and, and they were going to take another census. Well, she's... She's in Nazareth, which is 70 miles from Bethlehem, and she's got to go to Bethlehem, and the only thing that you, you travel by donkey. I could hear my mother for 70 miles 
griping on the back of a dog. I mean, I, now I don't know what I'm talking about, but you ladies can back me up. Who wants to ride on a donkey for 70 miles when you're nine months pregnant? And she's thinking, you know, surely not. <laughs> Somebody's playing a joke. This is like one of those reality TV shows, a hidden camera show, right? No, get on the donkey. We're going to Bethlehem. They get to Bethlehem, and they can't find a room. So they end up, you know, there's nothing available. They're praying, you know. I'm about to have not just a baby, but a king. And I can't even find a motel room. There's no room in the hospital. They, they put them in a stable with the animals. Again, I could hear my mom. Are you kidding me? You put me out here with these animals? This is unsanitary. This is inhumane. And yet, that's where they ended up. No angel, no visitation, no update, just a promise. And she had the baby in a manger. And other than a few wise men, you know, and, and some shepherds, there was no, nothing. You would think a king would be born in at least a hospital, an emergency room, but a stable? Things are not going the way you would expect if you had a promise like this. So then, you know, uh, Herod finds out and he tries to kill he kills all the young boys, the baby boys, which was a horrible thing. And the, and, the, and, the, and the Lord spoke to him. And you know what the Lord said? Run. Run? You're God. He's a king. Just kill him. I mean, won't they run? Why do we have to run? They ran. They had to move because they wanted to kill him. So they moved, they ran for their lives. They, they lived in Egypt. They didn't belong in Egypt, but they lived there because Herod's trying to kill the babies. And, and that's where, uh, I, did, did you ever see that coming? If, if you'd have had that promise, that's the furthest thing from my mind is that we would have to run. So they lived in Egypt and then the Lord spoke again and said, okay, and those that wanted the, the boy's life for dead, you can go back. So they moved back to Nazareth. And, uh, you know, I'm sure he was like a great child. How many could you imagine raising Jesus? Wouldn't that be fun and scary at the same time? It's like, do you spank him? I mean, what do you do? It's like, son, come here. Tell me what you would do if you were me right now. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm not sure where the lines are here. And so but anyway, they, they took a family trip to Jerusalem, remember? And, and he's 12 years old, and they, and they left, and they lost him. And they're, and, they're, and they're three days' journey. I mean, and why would it take three days to figure out you've lost your son? It's a little irresponsible, you know. And I can hear that conversation. Well, I thought you had him. Well, I thought you had him. Well, you always take him. Well, I don't know where he is. Well, we better go back. We better find him soon before that angel comes back. <laughs> and so they rush back to, they're frantic. They're looking for Jesus. They're running everywhere, looking at, in jail, you know, and, 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 and they run to the temple and there he is. And he's talking to the priests and they're like, you know, they don't know where to hug him or slap him. And, and they go, son, where, where have you been? And, and you know what he said. Does anybody know what he said? <laughs> man, oh, man. Didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? Try that on my dad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Boy, I'm going to show you some business. Get in the car. And you remind me when we get home to spank you. <laughs> Did you ever get that line? Okay, Dad, I'm putting that in the iPhone right now. <laughs> would you like it when we get in the driveway, or would you want me to do that tomorrow? When do you want me to remind you to spank me? <laughs> About my father's business. Wow. They're just like, you know what, son? Just don't do this again. Do not do this again. So they... And now, now he's home, and, and they're growing. He's grown up there in Nazareth. They have a family business, you know. They are they're carpenters, and 
And uh, Jesus worked there with Joseph, his, his dad, and building things, doing carpentry work. And I'm sure he was a good carpenter. How many of you believe Jesus was a great carpenter? But he was supposed to be a king. And he's 25, 26, 27. He's not dating. <laughs> he chose not to go to college. And, and I'm sure his parents, you know, his mom had that talk with him. Son, we're happy you're here. You're a good son. But is there anything else you might want to do? Like, take over the world or, you know, run for office? Kind of get your foot in the door? Is there anything else? No, I'm happy. Okay, well, son. Just checking, you know, you're not getting any younger. <laughs> He's supposed to be a king. He didn't leave till he was 30 years old. He finally, he gets baptized, you know, gets baptized with the Holy Ghost, and he began his ministry, and his ministry was very controversial, very confusing. He made as many enemies as he did friends. And um, his family was pretty much like they were from the beginning. They were pretty much confused. The whole thing was very confusing. Did you know serving God and following God and holding on to a promise, sometimes it just doesn't make any sense. And if you're feeling that way, you're not alone. You are following those who through faith and patience. The reason you need patience is because you can't explain everything. There is no timeline. There is no time frame. There's no way to judge it. You just have to keep believing God. Amen. And so much of it is out of your control. And so... Remember, he was in a house, and he was teaching, and his mother and his brothers came for him because they, they, they heard the news, and they thought, man, oh, man, he is really, he's, he's in over his head. So they went to get him, and, and remember, the, remember what happened? They sent word in. They couldn't get in. You know, they're trying to get his attention, and he can't get in. And so they said, well, just, just tell Jesus we're here. So, well, well, who are you? Oh, well, we're his mother and his brothers. He'll know. You just, just, just tell him. He'll, 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 he'll come out. And so they went in and they told him, <laughs> your mother and your brothers are out. And you know what Jesus said? Who is my mother and my brethren? But those who hear the word and do it. And they're like, we just never did understand that boy. He, in fact, since she had that encounter with that angel, nothing in life made sense. And you know what happened? It got worse and worse and, and uh, became a political thing. And politics got involved and they f falsely accused him. And the Jews put pressure on the Romans. And Pilate tried him and gave him some kind of railroad trial and sentenced him to death. Well, now it's, wow, okay. They don't know who they're messing with. They beat him. They marched him to, the, to Calvary and nailed him to a cross. And the Bible clearly tells us that Mary stood at his feet. He had words for her. Can you imagine the discouragement, the disheartenment, the, 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 the confusion, and the way she must have, as she had probably done a thousand times during this 30 years, how she went back to the day the angel came to her and spoke to her, and she went over it and over it and over it. And she's thinking, this does not add up. This is not what he said. And that was God. I know it was God because I had a baby. I had a miracle baby. I had a virgin birth. It had to be God. But this is not. Something went wrong somewhere. Somebody did something. We've disqualified ourselves. Well, somehow we got. It can't happen now. It's, it's impossible. And, and if we could have visited Mary like I'm visiting you right now, we would have told Mary, Mary, I know it doesn't look good, but just hang in there. Because God's going to do what he said he would do. It's not over yet. And don't buy this lie. Don't believe this lie. This one gets told way too much. If it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. 
You know what that is? That's telling time. That's, that's you saying, well, the time has come and gone. No, you don't tell time. You know why you don't tell time? He tells us in Peter, he says, you know, a day with the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years. That's, that's advice for us to stay out of the time-telling business. Because you could think you're a day off and you'd be a thousand years off. You never know when these things are going to happen. You just believe that they will happen. And she was standing there, and all of these things were going through her head. Maybe the angels will come down and get him off this cross. Maybe there will be a, a miracle explosion and things will turn around. Maybe. And then she watched him die. They wrapped his body and they put him in a tomb. Wow, what a dark day. And if I could have visited Mary on that day, I would have said, Mary, I can't explain it to you right now, but let me tell you something. Don't give up. God is going to do what God said he was going to do. God keeps his promises. Just keep believing. You don't even have to bring it to pass. Just believe that it's coming to pass. And you know the story. Three days later, a king came out of that tomb and a king sat down on a throne and a king rules and reigns today and of his kingdom there will be no end forever and ever and ever. God did exactly what he said he was going to do, didn't he? He did it for Mary. He did it for Abraham. He did it for Joseph and he's going to do it for you. But he leaves a lot left unsaid. And it's up to us to spend that time believing God. Listen to this verse. Maybe this verse will make more sense to you than ever. I know you know it. It's in Habakkuk. Habakkuk 2. I'll just read this to you. The Lord said, write the vision and make it plain that he may run who reads it. For the vision, the promise, the dream, the destiny is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. And can I just add, it's going to tarry. It's going to tarry. Wait for it because it will surely come. It will surely come. Part of what we do, folks, is we believe. We believe promises. That's why we're called believers. That's what makes us what we are. He said, write the vision so you can run. It's like running with the ball. No football player is worth anything if they don't want the ball. All the great football players, even the ones that aren't great, they want the ball, don't they? And, 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 and once you get the ball, everybody's after you. But it's not personal. Right? Don't read too much into it. Wouldn't a, wouldn't a running back be a pitiful mess if he said, these guys are mean. They, they, they're, not just trying to, 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 they're not just trying to throw me down. They, they don't like me. I feel all this hatred on the field. It's not fair. I, you know, it's not about that. They don't hate you. They hate the ball. They hate what you represent. They want, they want the ball. They want what you have. And if you don't believe it, then throw the ball down. <laughs> they'll leave you alone and they'll go jump on the ball. They don't care about you. It's the ball. The devil does not care about you. It's what you believe that threatens him. Don't, don't give it up. And, and I've got another word for some of you. Maybe you've been disheartened. Maybe you've been in this so long that you've just... You just gave up and you went and sat down. You said, I just can't do this anymore. I got news for you. You can get back in the game. So well, why? Because your father owns the field. He owns the ball. He keeps time. He's the referee. And he'll stop everything and say, all right, you want back in? Go back in there and get the ball and we'll restart the clock. It's your, it's your dream, it's your future, it's your promise, and it's your father, and you can get back in the game, and you can believe God. Listen, not every play is a touchdown. 
Not every day is a beaming success. There are setbacks along the way, but when you fall, fall forward. And you don't have to cross the goal line today, but you can believe God for another day. You can hold on to the promise another day. You can praise God for another day and say, God, I believe that what you said to me, you're going to bring it to pass. I don't know how and I don't know when, but I'll never stop believing in the promises of God. That'll get you a long way in life. And when you have trouble and when it's starting to get, when you get weary, think back about Abraham and what he had to believe. And think back about Mary and what she had to believe. I'll give you one. Look at Noah. Man, oh man. I'm so glad we live when we live. Poor Noah. God gave him a promise. You know what his promise was? I am going to kill everyone. Go tell them. What? Yeah, I'm going to flood the earth with rain. What's rain? It had never rained. And furthermore, go build a boat. What port should I build the boat in? No, no, build it in your backyard. There's no water in my backyard. He He built an ark at home. There was no company big enough to move that boat. You know, you hear about these embarrassing things. I had a friend who built a doghouse in his basement. (laughs) He got it all finished, and then he realized he couldn't get it out the door. It's like, (laughs) really happened. Noah built a boat, and everybody in town's going, he can't get that to the lake. He can't move it. (laughs) You know what? He held on to a promise that judgment's coming. Anybody know how long he preached that message and built that boat and believed that promise? Anybody know? A hundred years. So quit complaining. (laughs) Your message is better. Your time frame is shorter. Everything's, this is a better covenant, better promises. Believe me, you're in good shape. Thank God for the new covenant, the New Testament. We have good news. We get to preach good news, the message of mercy and grace and peace and help, salvation. And, and, and then whatever God's promised you is all, all good. Man, we ought to be the happiest people in the world. And thank God we weren't born in Noah's day. The only thing worse than having to preach judgment for a hundred years is being judged, you know. (laughs) There was only two slots available at that time. You either preach judgment or you're going to drown in the flood. Wow. We hope you enjoyed this message. Find our other messages on iTunes or visit our website at lcboise.com and follow us on social media, Life Church Boise. Thank you and have a blessed day.